I'm plugged into the Agora's Nexus We need the whole community connected We're the alternative collective Self-sufficient and effective We're in this the Gorse Nexus podcast. I've got the great Jeremiah Harding co-host, and I've got Lily Forrester, and we're now introducing her as a podcast co-host. So how you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm in a tree because I can't be in my apartment because of construction, but <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. Just pissing people off as usual. And uh, got plenty in the pipeline for Agnex. Um, just before we get started, a few things for housekeeping. The first thing is subscribe to our emails because those are going to get you in contact with us. And they're going to be designed and uh, helmed by Lily from now on as well. Um, so subscribe to our emails from Constant Contact and keep in Constant Contact. The second thing is... Uh, if you hate being censored and you also hate being tracked while you search for things, uh, fucking me too, bitch. Uh, do pre-search. It's free. It's in the description. There's a link and you can get uh, privacy focused uh, searches from all the top providers or pre-search themselves if you want to use their blockchain based uh, search system um, and their pre-token uh, that you can earn from that to uh, advertise your content on their site. It's like Google AdWords, but free if you use their service enough. So with that in mind, uh, you support us because we're supported by them if you go sign up for free. So do that ASAP uh, and get your privacy back. All right, what's next? Yeah, absolutely. Um... <laughs> A uh, little, yeah, a little disclaimer, guys. I've got like a seven, eight second latency, unfortunately, but I really wanted to be here for Lily's episode. I will have high speed internet in December um, at the latest. So either way, uh, I'll be providing like, you know, uh, high quality content with zero latency in the future. So I, I can't wait to provide that to you guys. Um, since Lily is our new co-host, uh, yeah, I'm just going to pretty much give it to her today. Uh, my first question is, um, where do you plan on going with the newsletter since you're, you're running the Agarish Nexus newsletter? Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm basically looking to make it the spot for exclusive news about Agarish Nexus and anything Agarish. Um we got a coupon book in there now that has like affiliate links or coupons for, you know, that directly benefit Agris Nexus, but it also obviously benefits the people who are within the coupon book. Like our other host, Dag, has Agris Seeds, and he says he's already gotten an order since that first email went out on Thursday. Um, so Thursday mornings every week. We're going to have an email with the latest podcast, with the latest episodes, and any other news that's happening either in our little world of Agorist Nexus or in the greater Agorist world, you know, that is worldwide at this point. So um, 
we're also going to be sending out polls and stuff so that way we can get more feedback from you guys on what you want to hear from us what you want us to talk about what you want us to write about anything like that um so yeah subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends to subscribe if they're at risk and let's get these ideas out there in an uncensored way yeah because we all know facebook isn't letting it happen (laughs) yeah and also um the uh the agristacus seeds go there agristacus seeds use nexus uh code nexus to get 20 percent off and all all orders on that site 20 percent goes to the nexus uh to produce content like this so there's plenty of stuff like that yep sounds good but yeah it's basically just going to be a hub for news and for finding ways to uplift the agorist community like this week we featured sal mayweather's book um anti-politics which i actually helped with that i helped helped with making the cover and writing a forward for that one um and yeah if you have anybody on the fence as to why you shouldn't be involved in politics yeah, such a good, good in your life <laughs> it's such a good book like i w- there was something in there like an article by Konkin about the LP that I had never read before, but it's, it pretty much sums up my entire feelings about the LP and anybody calling themselves an anarchist that decides that they need to engage themselves in the game of government. <laughs> Cause there's a surprising too many of those people. Right. Yeah. And but, like, n- not only is there a surprising too many of those people, but uh, like a decent chunk of them were like, annoying as usual during the midterms uh because it like a, during and after the midterms because they were like oh well if if only a few more of you guys did x y and z then we would have been awesome and we would have had x y and z result and it's like nope and i have a video coming out about that uh today as of recording so it'll be out by the time this is out um so y'all can feel free to check me out at jeremiah talks on uh, youtube for more about that but like basically yeah there's a ton of um a ton of problems there not the least of which is the fact that the system is going to continue perpetuating and like the vast majority of people who quote unquote win are just winning because they got enough money and enough support from enough mainstream organizations so i mean good luck getting a libertarian future with like no money and no support from the official organizations we're all against theoretically unless you aren't in which case you don't represent me motherfucker yeah there's too many guys out there that are saying that they're for freedom but like i think they're for like free f-r-e-e-d-u-m-b instead of freedom like we think of it you know like (laughs) free to be dumb i suppose Mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's all too common but thankfully i've kind of distanced myself from the majority of folks that still think that voting helps anything um (laughs) because it doesn't in my experience and I've never voted, thankfully. I was going to vote for Ron Paul in 2012, and I saw how all that shit went down, and I, I was registered, but I did not actually vote. I voted for Ron Paul in 2012, but, like, that was, that was like, basically... I, I knew I was throwing my hot dog down a hallway there. Like, it wasn't doing anything for anyone. Um, and, like, the ultimate thing that I did that, it was, like, a protest vote. And then I was basically done with voting. Um I did it once more. Re- I wrote in Sonic the Hedgehog because I thought it would be funny. But that's it. And re- and really since then, like, 
Ron Paul's kind of jumped on the agarish train. I've seen a lot yeah. of videos since then. And um, and I know like, well, this is news that Anarchapulco hasn't even announced officially yet, but I put him on the website today so anybody can go and see. But we're having Ron Paul again. Um, so that's exclusive news. But we uh, people in the past have that question, like, why Ron Paul? He's a politician. Well, like he was a politician. And now he's pretty much an anarchist and he and he really jumps at the opportunity to speak at Anarchapulco. Like I was surprised. I read through the the email thread looking for his bio today and he's he's really excited about it. So we'll see. I guess I'll finally meet Ron Paul. <laughs> I think he pretty much is an anarchist because in 2018 at Anarchapulco, uh Ron Paul said something that he was like um we want to get government to zero and i mean zero means like no government so i think he is an anarchist but he he wants he wants as many people to gravitate towards the liberty community without throwing the anarchist word in his in in their face and like turning them away so i think that's kind of his his strategy but um but i don't really know but i mean you know saying government should go to zero uh, is, is a pretty good sign that uh, that you're an anarchist, but um, but yeah, he's he's so influential. He doesn't want to like throw that out there. He wants as many people to gravitate towards the um, towards the movement before they, you know, go go too deep and and reject it. But um, to an extent, though, I will say that I'm someone on the same board with that because there's a number of individuals out there calling themselves anarchists and using anarchy. And this is like something that was displayed in the show, the, the anarchist, because there's a lot of people out there using that term and just using it as an excuse to treat people shitty. So it's become somewhat of a dirty word at this point. Um, that's why when the majority of people ask me, I tell them I'm an agorist instead. And that's what I said in the series is because like, yeah, I'm not trying to rule myself or others. And there are a lot like of people like even in that anarchist community in Acapulco, a lot of people trying to have a lot of control over other people and over the community and trying to be, you know, big man on campus. But I have some girls looking at me funny because I'm doing this interview in a tree. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> what else are we going to see with the newsletter? Are we going to see featured links? Um, are we going to see like featured businesses? Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so basically, like we have a section that's going to be there every week that's got featured listings. So, like, especially as people add new listings to the website, that's the directory on Agorist Nexus. We will put those within the email list and feature those things. But like even beyond that, if we see and connect with organizations that are doing good, good shit for agorists, basically, we'll find ways to promote and share that. Because the idea is there's a lot of people living this agorist lifestyle out in the world, and there's not a lot of them really like connected as, as we should be, you know, like I've had a lot of people since the series, for example, reach out to me and tell me that they've been in agorist for a long time, but I've never heard of them. And they're, and a lot of times they're doing cool things. So it's one of those things where, um, yeah, we we're finding ways to connect with people that aren't necessarily on these social media platforms that we're used to dealing with. 
I'm going to adjust myself real quick because I am now directly in the sun and I am pasty. Too pasty for that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got the German and Scottish blood yeah. and oftentimes I'll be going for like, you know, 10 plus mile runs and uh, I'll come back looking a little bit baked. Just takes climbing to a different branch. Yeah. <sighs> All right. This is more comfy anyway. So well, you know, the, I got myself the... a new spot. The, the the species that humans came from, like, they were all, like, the reason that they got the way they were was because of brachiation. So you're just sort of returning to monk. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's interesting to consider. Eh. We'll just all start doing podcasting from trees. Yes. That'll be the new Dude. agorist way of business. I mean, it felt right when I was walking yeah, into this park. I was just like... I was just like, this feels right. I'm just going to go up and sit in a tree. I used to spend, I spent most of my childhood in trees. It's part of why I do the circus stuff as much as I do. Cause like, I've always felt comfortable being kind of up in precarious positions <laughs> instead of on the ground. So, I mean, it was just a natural, a natural progression for me. Have you ever like done any parkour? Cause I've like, that's one of the things that I've been sort of doing in the city because there's a lot of places to do it is parkour. So. I mean, I've thought about it, especially cause like my city is like very Spanish architecture, lots yeah. of like cool spots to do it. But I mean, I end up exhausting myself doing what I do with the circus stuff. And I'm kind of, I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, I'm a little addicted to it, especially the trapeze. Um, and the silks but like the trapeze is something special and like by the by the time like the end of my week comes i end up completely exhausted and not able to focus on anything else physically demanding that's fair i consider doing climbing too i tra I train at a climbing gym um but i've never climbed the walls there <laughs> so, well you know if you, know. you if you like climbing then you would probably like parkour. And I sort of advocate that people do uh, learn that because I feel like, and this is this is going to sound, I don't know, maybe like faux deep or whatever, but I don't care. Like ultimately the, the parkour, if you can get good at parkour, you'll be better at running from cops. You'll be better at uh, doing redacted and hibiscus flower and things like that. You know, you'll be much better at doing the things that we might need to do if the state cracks down to put it in a way that won't get us censored. So I, yeah, I just sort of run advocate from people, cops yeah. myself. Yeah, so having I'd... run from cops myself, both in vehicle and on foot, like <laughs> running from cops is not as easy as just running from them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I sure. think that was in like. I, I think they did like a graphical representation of what happened in episode four of the series of the last altercation I had with police. And they literally tackled me um, because I was running on foot and they had a vehicle and they chased me down with the vehicle and like 10 of them jumped out and tackled me because they recognized who I was. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, I still oh, got wow. away though. <laughs> that was a whole thing. And I still got away though. Like, Running from cops is difficult, though, on foot. I will say that for sure. For if sure. I had known how to climb a fence, I could have climbed in to the convention center in Acapulco, which is ironically where Anarcha Forco was held in 2018. And I would have just climbed that fence, jumped in there, and ran and hid because I knew that property. But 
I was not trained. (laughs) Pro tip to anyone who needs to hop wire is that it's got those points on the top or a razor wire or barbed wire or something. If you've got a shirt like this, you can whip it off and use it to protect your hands when you mount the fence and climb over. So you can get over razor wire, barbed wire, anything you need as long as you bring a shirt with you. And it has to be like a nice, like thick fabric, like flannel or something. But like, if you got that, you climb that fence, you whip off your shirt, you've got it tight around your waist, like so that you've got extra arm mobility. You've got yourself a, a hand protector so you don't get cut up while you climb the fence. It's very fast and easy. You can get over a fence in like three seconds, no matter what's on top. Doesn't necessarily fly with women that don't wear bras. <laughs> That's all I got to say to that. Because the idea of me using the shirt that I had on that day would have left me completely topless in Acapulco. Well, right. I'm just <laughs> saying like, hilarious. I'm just saying like, <laughs> if you did want to plan for something like that, or if you were doing something um extra spicy, you have options. It's, it's 2005, right? It, it's my birthday. I've got like two ounces of weed in the car. And this police officer like taps. I'm I'm near park, and this police officer like taps on, not not the driver's side window, but the my buddy's window, passenger side. And there's another one of our friends like sleeping in the fucking back. And I like freak out, and I fucking just take off. And <laughs> I see in the rearview mirror this dude's like running back towards the car. Um, I wouldn't say it's like high speed. I don't know what a high speed police chase is, but like I was, I was going like 40 to 50 miles per hour at, at some point, um, to like get away from them. And eventually like I got away, I indeed, like, there's a bunch of cops though. Like one of them, I don't know how they got there so quickly. Like one of them was kind of like almost wanted to ram me and I got up on, onto the sidewalk to avoid them. And, um, but anyways, I eventually got away. I like Indiana Jones did uh, through this intersection, and um, and like car started going as soon as as soon as I was entering the intersection, and they couldn't follow me. But um, but yeah, uh, the next day, the uh, my buddy in the passenger seat, he stole that car, and um, that's another long story. But um, but my parents then reported the car stolen. So, uh, well, they had the plates, so they knew it like came from us. And they were everyone was like pointing fingers at me. I was like, I'm not saying shit. I don't care. Uh, I plead the fifth. And and um, so I, I basically they couldn't even prove I was driving. Um, so. They just gave me reckless driving and I got away with all that shit. So, um, so yeah, I got super fucking lucky because I would have had at least two, maybe three felonies. Um, mm-hmm. they wanted to give me a hit and run. They gave, they even tried to give me a hit and run, but I, I didn't hit Jack shit. They were just trying to fucking, you know, get me to pay more money. I, had to, I actually had to pay for something that I didn't hit. Um, during a, a hit and run. Well, this is all during my plea. So I, 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 I had like 10 charges. I plea bargained out of it and they just gave me reckless driving. So, but yeah, it was, it was fucking crazy. Oh, my friend in, in the back seat when we were, I forgot to tell you guys, when we were driving through, when we were driving and uh, my friend's like, dude, what's going on? Why are you guys, why are you guys driving so fast? And uh, 
I was like, we're in, a, we're in a police chase, fool. And he's like, no, we're not, dude. And he looks back, there's no, no police car or nothing. I'm like, dude, I'm really not joking. Like, we are for real in a police chase right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, no. Nah. And then as soon as he sees um, a cop with lights, he's like, holy shit. And um, yeah, so... That, that was like the funniest fucking thing ever. He he woke up. <laughs> he woke up during a police chase. I thought, you know, that was just that was just fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've one. I've been in a few of those in it, when I had a car and uh and two of them ended with reckless driving. Um but like I was fucking terrified and not like anarchist even yet. And I was like very not confident about the whole situation. Um, and so like I, I was balling for one of them. And then for the other one, I was still freaking out. But like the thing that was really funny was that later on, like because I, I dodged a lot of cops in that car, which was surprising to me because it was this like stock like cross crossover Suzuki SX4 thing. Um, and it was outrunning these cop cars. And I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, but like, ultimately the, the thing that was, the was funny was that they sent me a letter, um, threatening to revoke my license. If I kept doing, we understand that what you, you think, what you're doing is safe, but, and it was like literally phrased that way. And so I, I had them threaten to take my license because I sped too much and because they couldn't pin the, the cop chases on me because when I didn't think I could like do it, I slowed down and stopped real quick and said, oh, I had no idea. I'm... <laughs> you were back yeah, there? I've... Shit. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've been in, I've been in, I don't know how many in Mexico and only in Mexico have I bothered to be in police chases, but like we got a little reputation in the community for like popping people's police chase cherry there. Cause like we'd have friends in the car with us and somebody would start chasing us and we just start running and they're like, this isn't really happening. And it's like, no, it is just let it happen. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, but, uh, and what's funny is yeah, because Acapulco is, yeah. yeah, because Acapulco is full of traffic. Like they were all slow speed chases. I even gotten a one specifically myself after, after the murder, driving driving Jason Hens's little Chevy Volt around, they, one recognized me and he tried to stop me. And he parked his motorcycle in front of my car and I just blared on the horn and just kept it going for a good two minutes. And then I finally decided that, because it was like a two-lane road and he was in front of me on the one side, that I was just going to like go around him, hit his tire, knock his bike over and you know get on my merry little way. And he realized that's what was going on and he got it out of the way. And there were some cops down the road that literally tried tossing their bodies in front of the car. And I just kind of like comically weaved in and out of them. That was really the fastest speed chase that we went on. But never been harassed by cops anywhere else in Mexico but Acapulco and technically just outside of Mexico City because we didn't have plates on a bike at the time. But it's like, yep. I don't advise running from United States police. You never know what's going to fucking happen there. But Mexico, yeah. like, if you just, get past them, they just leave you. And that's it. Just to be clear, we don't we don't advise any sort of illegal action. We would never advise any sort of illegal <laughs> action. But, um, you know, 
do like, it, do as we say, not do as we say, not what we do. I think yeah, is, right. the, is yeah. the term we're looking for here. Not medical <laughs> advice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like there, there's that <laughs> element medical. of it, but I feel like Acapulco would be the place that they would do that because there's this stigma about Mexico, Mexico being like violent and corrupt and shit. And if you've got a bunch of people coming to your tourist trap, you might just be able to fleece people anyway, because, hey, we're in Mexico and this place is going to like tear us apart if we don't just do what these cops say. And they don't know that it's like maybe not that kind of severe or maybe like they can get away with more or, you know, that sort of thing. Um because they they haven't talked to the locals or you know somebody yeah you can definitely get away with more yeah Yeah, i think i think i think my favorite chase that i actually went on in mexico was on the motorcycle it was before the murder by like a couple months and like we were in the central market we got off the bike and we jumped and we ran into the market like and got away from them on foot but like when we came back um, I should put some pretext here in Mexico. When you break traffic laws, if you avoid the cops and park your car, they try to steal your license plate and make you go and pay a fine to get it back. Mm-hmm. Well, we have the good yeah. what, what we did was we padlocked Dude. that motherfucker to the motorcycle so they couldn't take it off. They, it, was, it was padlocked. And um, when we came back, they had a tow truck there and they were trying to trying to take the bike. And we started fighting with them. I have this on video somewhere. We started fighting with them, calling them banditos. And it was like during a holiday and we got swarmed by like maybe 30 angry Mexicans that were also there on like vacation. Um, and they were basically like, leave them alone. They kept screaming, son turistas, which means they are tourists. You know, it's like, leave them alone, leave them alone. And some lady, like the short little lady that was selling her chata, like tried to get into a physical fight with one of the cops. And it was just like, it was enough people to where the cops were just like, all right, fine, go. Like, get out of here. This is this is more than we bargained for. We just thought we were going to steal your motorcycle and go on about our day. like. <laughs> Which is how it should hard. be in the U.S. Exactly. when people are about to do an Eric Garner, George Floyd, or... Um, a Kelly Thomas or yeah. hibiscus flower. Yeah. I'm going to save that exactly. in order to avoid getting censored. Dude, dude, they did. Those, the Mexican cops, they will take your plates. Um, that's exactly what they tried to do to me. I, I was parked in a spot for too long, I guess. I didn't even know. And um, they were trying to give me a ticket. And uh, I was like, no, no, fuck you. Um, and then they took they took and then the one of them took my plates. I'm like, I got out of the car and I was pissed and I went up to the cop and I started yelling at him. And then my um, my father in law was like, holy shit. And uh, he's like, I can't believe he's like talking to the cops this way. And he he. Uh, he hands him 200 pesos and the guy's like, all right, all right, give him back his plates and let him go. And uh, but um. But yeah, I, w- I was fucking pissed, dude. I couldn't believe that they were taking my plates. And they were American plates, too. I drove that vehicle down um, to Mexico. So, yeah, pretty yeah, nuts. They were like, stealing my U.S. plates. I would have been like definitely screwed because because it, to leave the country, you need you need the you need your um, you need your plates and you need your forms saying that you're leaving and you need proof that you have that 
that same vehicle uh, with plates in. They they basically I don't know if you guys know about like in, importing or importing vehicles or tourist vehicles in, into Mexico, but they make you charge. They charge you like depending on the vehicle, anywhere from like three to like twelve hundred bucks, yeah. and basically you get that back once you leave with with your vehicle, and you have to leave every six months with that vehicle, or else you can never like bring another vehicle into Mexico. Um, yeah, so it's basically so, like pass, so pass yeah, for them to take my plates, that was like, like an extreme. Paperwork. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, and if you don't get those at all, then you are caught like those permits. You're then a fucking magnet for cops, which is what we experience like. And why I ended up in dozens of police chases is because they knew we didn't have our permit. Yeah, and then you'll just be paying it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, okay, so speaking of Acapulco, uh, what's it like having an event there? Because that's been something that that I've been curious about. What's it? Because the thing is, I feel like the local officials there would, like, want a significant cut of like what what is raised there so like is is that a thing is is it like you have to like talk to local governments and shit or is it more relaxed surprisingly not surprisingly not the first the first event that i held in mexico in acapulco was anarchoforco and um i don't know like most people that went to that event didn't realize it but the the building we held it in was a federal government building that we rented and they knew it was an anarchist event and they knew it was only gringos and they just wanted us to pay them the fucking rent for the space and that was it they didn't ask for id or anything um and then yeah. like yeah they don't care and now, yeah now i co-produce anarchapulco and it's it's more or less the same especially now um that we hold the event at like a it's like a holistic resort, a local place. It's not the big corporate place owned by Carlos Slim that we did in 2018. It's this small little holistic resort and we pay them like maybe if we made more profit and that's the thing that people don't understand about Anarchapulco is they think that because of the ticket prices we're fucking raking it in. But like we break even pretty much every year and some years like have lost money in previous years not since i've been involved but like we broke even literally every year i've been involved and 90 percent of that money that we bring in goes directly to the venue and that money from the venue goes directly into the local market of hiring people to work the event so if i think if we weren't bringing so much fucking money in business to the locals as it was it would be more of a thing um the closest we've had is we like the two years prior to this we provided like a taxi shuttle system that was essentially included with your ticket price you'd get a ride to anarchapulco each day and we did have to like come to an agreement with the with the local taxi cartels because like essentially we had taxi drivers functioning outside of their domain and if there's one thing that's really on lock in Acapulco, it's taxi cartels. If you're a taxi driver and you're not where you're supposed to be, you can get killed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to deal with some shit with that. But like, as far as the government is concerned, they seem to give not a single fuck, which I mean, is really surprising. 
like even like having Anarcha Forco at that at that uh government building like by the end of it we had the employees of that place coming to our event and talking to people just like attending basically like oh we're interested in this anarchy thing this is this is really cool and it's just like maybe in other parts of mexico but acapulco (laughs) is so like fucking anything goes do what you want as long as you you know pay for shit like that it it just doesn't matter you know well also like in in terms of that like there's very little better tourist like bullshit for people living in the obviously repressive u.s um then it then saying come down here for anarchy um so there would be like a significant amount of draw for for like gringos to come down there and give them a bunch of business at least temporarily and potentially even move there and become taxpayers so maybe that maybe they're like you know hey this is free tourist uh free tourist advertising that our government didn't need to sponsor this time because like every government has a tourism board every government is going to say hey uh, we need to get people coming here, so uh, we're going to spend a huge amount of, uh, of of tax revenue and debt and shit in order to get make sure that happens. But if people are doing their advertising for them, then they might just say, "Hey, it comes out in the wash. We don't need uh, we don't need super like high fee levels and shit." That's exactly how it was, and like we actually, as part of the process for renting that that government building. They had us meet with the director of the tourism industry in Acapulco, and he basically implied that he was familiar with who I was because of Steam It, because I was, at the time, I was the only person blogging daily about my life in Acapulco, like, it's amazing here, making people want to move, like, I made a lot of people want to move to Acapulco, and I think it was just better for them and they just kind of went with it because of that, especially in a city like Acapulco got a really really shitty shitty uh reputation we'll say over the last couple decades because of essentially the cartel wars that exist there even still but yeah it's been surprisingly easy i can say with confidence because i i've looked at the books of anarchopoco none of our money goes to paying off government officials now maybe maybe that's part of the fee of the venue and they're the ones doing it for us but like as far as anarchopoco making deals with the government to be able to exist nah it doesn't happen we just kind of do our thing we plan our event and it happens and then we go home (laughs) yeah nothing direct or known well okay so let's actually get into that a little bit because you know, we've we've got on the prestigious uh, Lily Forrester from the HBO series um, that came out recently. And if I understand correctly, um, and, and I kind of got this vibe when I watched yeah. the last episode. Um, I like I got the vibe that they were hatchet jobbing and that there's a bunch of shit affiliated with this documentary that wasn't very documentarian so do you mind because i think you felt the same way and that they got a lot of stuff wrong and that they embellished a lot do you mind dishing some dirt here and saying like the untold truth of the anarchist documentary series on yeah yeah here's the thing i what what i'll start by saying this i will say that the people of the series like 
series that the show was accurate to what each character felt was going on at the time as far as i know like maybe there's some shit i don't say um as far as it actually lining up with what reality was not necessarily and i think that the one mistake of the filmmakers is they kind of became like family to everybody in the series and considering like anybody that's watched the series know that there was for lack of a better term big old a big beef between like me and my ex and the freemans um yeah it was one of those things where like they tried to make everybody happy with the series i think while ignoring some of the shittier sides of the main characters the first ones being the freemans and what happened with anarchapulco the second one being the beloved john galton my ex um and i call him that because we were in the process of breaking up when the murder happened anyway because for lack of a better way of putting it he was pretty fucking abusive the entire time that i was with him and you can see in the series you can see like the progression of like when we start that i was afraid to speak i was afraid to even look at the camera i saw to way last, too many you know. deer in the headlights kind of expressions i'm just gonna say yeah no and that's exactly what it was about it was because i was afraid because like oftentimes we would do interviews yeah. and then after the fact it would start a fight it's like why the fuck did you say that or you sounded stupid or just being a fucking asshole in general and like what wasn't talked about enough was part of what led to the murder and everybody who was really close to him knows this was his behavior and how he treated people it had nothing to do with selling cocaine because we weren't it was about the way that he treated the people in the community and the fact that he made enemies of almost everybody yeah that's a really bad idea in, in mexico like you don't yeah you, you don't make enemies you, like, like the, the I, I think one thing that jeff mentions yeah you, one thing that i like that jeff is right uh, uh berwick is right about is that the kind of energy that you put down that you put out in Mexico is what you get back in. So if you like go around like kicking over anthills and shit, you're eventually going to be like surrounded and eaten by ants. Like, so um, yeah, that's really that's, like the way that, uh, that's sorry such to interrupt a good you analogy. Really go ahead with the, the free. Yeah, no but. worries. That's such a good analogy with the kicking the anthills thing. Cause that's really what happened, you know? And like, yeah, it's just it, it it was a lot that led to that. And then you have the Freemans who first without any proof and I've like asked them repeatedly over the years to give me some actual proof other than some guy says that he saw it happen that you know, oh Lily, you know, Lily and John were selling cocaine. There's no actual proof and I actually have proof from the police report from the inventory they took of my house of everything illegal or related to the murder oh, wow, no cocaine found. You'd think if we were caught selling um, competitor product that we would have some. Yeah. But even beyond yeah, but even beyond that, we go beyond that to the last two, three episodes, They, Lisa in particular, but also Nathan before he died, spins this tale of Anarchapulco got taken over by the evil Jessica Kill and she, she forced him out and you know, ruined his life and he died of a broken heart and Anarchapulco died soon after. That's like, if you watch the series, that's that's how it, you know, what comes across. And Jeff, I appreciate him because of this, but right after the series ended, he made a video that was like the truth about the anarchists where he talks about what exactly happened. 
this same story that Jeff said, I have confirmed with six other people who were involved with Anarchapulco heavily at that time. And only two of those people still talk to each other and not commonly, you know, so like, and all their stories were the same. Yet, if Mm -hmm. you watch The Anarchist, Nathan was shoved out of his baby and he made it the best it ever. It was fucking chaos when Nathan was in control. Like, at one point in the series, he's like, well, my job is I deal with the crisis and then I run and I deal with another crisis. And like, in my experience running Anarchapulco, we don't have crises. Where's all these crises, Nathan? I thought it was inherent to the job. Where's the crises, you know? What really happened was he was not made for running events. He wasn't made for doing the paperwork and having the systems that me and Kat um, and a few other people have built. We have like, you know, spreadsheets and systems and processes for getting speakers on board instead of just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, which is what Nathan did. And Nathan and Jeff hired jessica together they were supposed to work together nathan was just supposed to have the fun part of talking to people and jessica was going to do all the hard part of like the spreadsheets the processes making sure people got paid on time etc and nathan essentially exactly and what nathan what wasn't told about nathan or lisa is the fact that both of them deal with severe substance abuse issues they were both really into alcohol and really into cocaine they do talk a little bit about the alcohol because that's pretty obviously how nathan died but like i'm sorry you don't die in two years of drinking from cirrhosis he was drinking from sun up to sundown the entire time that i lived in acapulco that was portrayed incorrectly it may have gotten worse after he quit but like the reality is he rage quit jeff has an email from Nathan, in which he says he's quitting and he's not going to be involved with Anarchapulco anymore. And immediately after, he used his Anarchapulco email to start contacting sponsors and to contact speakers to say, don't be involved with Anarchapulco anymore. So that's why they locked him out of his email. And it was a big thing like, oh, he was locked out of his emails. Well, yeah, he actively tried to destroy an organization that he was still technically working for at the time. Of course, he was locked out of his emails. Why not? You know? And it's one of those things where I had a lot of shit exactly. happen. To me. I had a lot of horrible shit happen to me in the time of the show and the years described before I even came to Mexico. Like a lot of really awful shit that happened. And my response to it, after all was said and done, was to not fucking kill myself with substance abuse. And he has kids. I was so pissed. Like, I, you know, the one bit I did cry for Nathan Freeman was actually for his kids because at one point his daughter goes, he said he would fucking stop. I'm sorry, bro, but when you got kids, you fucking choose your kids. You don't self-wallow. Even if it had happened the way he said it did, even if he had gotten shut out of Anarchapulco, you have kids. You fucking take care of your kids and don't act like you've got nothing to live for because clearly he had three reasons to live that he created and now they're going to have to deal with the trauma of the fact that their dad fucking gave up you know and that's not that's i think the goal of every parent especially in our movement is to stop making kids that have to heal from their childhoods Mm -hmm. and he failed in that regard he failed miserably in that regard and it's pathetic and then you see me who's been through all the shit that i've been through and my response has to been to do the exact opposite to start living 
to start working, you know, building good relationships with people in spite of what happened to me. And I think that's part of why I am a producer of Anarcha Polko now. But it's like, yeah, none of that stuff with how like Nathan left the conference was 100% accurate. And I would I will say this, that because drugs and alcohol, specifically cocaine, has a huge effect on ego. And I have no doubt in my mind that that's what he felt was happening to him. Mm-hmm. But the reality was it wasn't. He was going to get paid the same to do less work and basically to take all the credit for it. And because you know, Jessica Kill was brought in, who did nothing wrong. Like, yeah, and have a better conference. Yeah, it was a better conference, and they like Sorry, they, they quoted. Yeah, no worries. And they they like at a certain point they like bring up the fact that in 2020 there was like I don't know like 60 percent less attendees than there was in 2018, and it's like okay. But what else happened in 2020 to 2019? Oh, that's right. The crypto market crashed. Like, mm-hmm. we went into a crypto winner. And what happens every year at Anarcho when that happens? Oh, right. Attendance drastically drops, although not technically this past year. Like, we were fine, but... Um, well, of course, this past year, you had, like, the perfect advertising campaign for it, which was... Uh, the bull the, market. The, the pandemic... Uh, and the lockdowns and all of this saying, hey, yeah, we're going to fuck you over and you're going to like it and you're going to be stuck on this new normal economic paradigm. Don't you want to figure out how to fix that, how to get that out of your life? Yeah, exactly. And we were the only conference that continued running like Anarcho Vegas canceled like Float was born in that time, but Float was technically born as a part of Anarcho Polko its first year, the Float Fest thing that happened. But like in the thick of the the pandemic, we were the only people who still bothered to follow through with our planned event. And that's that's part of why we're doing as well as we are now, you know, and it's I wish because I know I know for a fact, because I was the one that issued the media passes that the crew of the anarchists, I love them. They're they are good friends of mine. But I know for a fact that they went to Anarchapulco 2021 or 2022. I know for a fact that they saw how the event evolved and it was still pushed as Anarchapulco's fucking dead. Nathan Freeman, we should have just kept him around. It would all been fine if we kept Nathan Freeman. And it's like, well, Nathan Freeman quit. <laughs> like he quit. He rage quit. And then he tried to destroy the conference on his way out. And even in spite of all of that, the conference is better than it's ever been with fewer complaints than we've ever had. Well, from people also like from an anarchist perspective let's be fucking clear here and this is a point i fucking push all the time ironically like drugs people should be clean and sober it would help your mentality so much and it would be more money going to valuable causes and less going to a destructive habit so if if let's just like imagine an alternate universe where he spent all the money he spent getting drunk and blasted on other substances and just like put that money into making his own damn conferences if he was so like sure he could do a better job well then he might not have been drunk and better at doing the first job and wouldn't have had such a problem with it just saying yo yeah what's ironic is 
Um, one of the biggest changes I've noticed in attendees is like we completely shifted. We don't have really any of the same people coming as we did in the past, save for a few of the speakers, especially as far as attendees are concerned. Not at all the same people. And I'm not sure about this year, but I know the first year we did it, like where I was one of the co-producers, the venue actually like one of the things we offer with the VIP ticket is an open bar like three hours of open bar a day or something like that. And the venue actually dropped their final price on us because hardly anybody used it. Nobody was drunk and disorderly and throwing up all over the place and crazy. Whereas like, I remember going to Anarchapulco 2018 and it was six o'clock in the evening and I got there and we're walking through the lobby and I just watched this woman with an Anarchapulco badge projectile vomit all over the lobby. Drunk, uh, fucked up on drugs and it's like it's a completely different event there oh is man. really something to be said about the sobriety aspect of it and the t- type of people that it attracts you know it's you know marx had this thing he said about religion and it's always funny when people who quote this um don't like you know respect what it actually entails including marx uh who was a massive drunk um, you know, he said religion is the opium of the people. Well, you know what else is opium? Opium. And maybe people <laughs> who want to be revolutionaries shouldn't have dull minds because the mind is the first thing to go in these sorts of situations. Or or in the case of uh, like the Acapulco situation, um, they're like in the series there's like a scene where nathan and freeman very non-genuinely get remarried to each other and then like what they didn't show was the after party and the after party anarchopoco sold tickets like 50 bucks a ticket and the idea of the price was to cover the drugs and they had cartel guys with bags of what they called and i say this because i'll, I'll explain what they called mdma and they were just passing it like Skittles out to anybody that wanted them. If you wanted 10, they'd fucking give you 10 of them. And I know some people that had a really bad experience at that party because of that. Mm-hmm. A few people, because we had this hunch that a lot of the MDMA in Acapulco was methamphetamine. Because we, like, when I was in college, I wouldn't take any drug without testing it to see if it was what it yeah. said it was. You know, if it was if it was mixed with anything, I wasn't going to take it. I wasn't going to buy it. And I pissed dealers off by being like, let me test it before I buy it. I'd rather just not do it. Um, and we and we bought those same tests for Anarchapulco 2018. We, we weren't selling drugs, but we were selling the tests to test your drugs. And um, we got a hold. I, I had like three people that knew that I had that theory that the, the, the MDMA in Acapulco was meth. And because um, we took it once, we got it once through the Freemans just said, fuck it, let's try it. And then we took it and we're like, this is not what we were expecting. We Googled the symptoms. We're like, it's most likely meth. Fuck that. Never doing that again. Never doing any of that stuff here again. And we got a hold of some of those pills from their wedding ceremony reception thing, right? We tested them. No MDMA in those pills. Not, not a single bit. It was methamphetamine pills. They were giving everybody at the conference meth. Mm-hmm. Not talked about, not talked about. And then you go beyond that. And then there's the influence of cocaine itself. So you have the influence of methamphetamine, which artificially raises the ego and lowers intelligence. And cocaine is the same way. Like I've never met somebody who uses cocaine habitually that I have 
deeply on a personal level really like yeah part of why i was so offended to be essentially blamed for you know that business essentially it's like i I was so frustrated being around all those people on that drug. And yes, I've tried it. And it was one of those things where I was like, this is what people lose their lives in addiction for. Like, this is it, y'all. Like, this is not worth it. This is not fun. Like, it just makes stupid people talk a lot. And that's what I experienced in 2018 is trying to do outreach, reach, walking around, talking to people. It's just a bunch of stupid people talking too much about nothing. And, and a circle jerking. It's like, <laughs> right. And it was like, oh, but you know, it was, but because of that, you know, I think that's why Nathan felt that that's what was going on. I think he really believed that he was being destroyed. And it's like, no, you destroyed yourself and then you cried about it on fucking hbo and then died a miserable death fear and loathing in acapulco exactly and it was it was it was pathetic like it it was very pathetic yeah well and and like it is so many times because people are like "Ooh, we want freedom so that we can do all this bullshit including all this degenerate garbage and then it's like, well, okay, so how bad do you really want freedom? Because you're not going to win freedom being like this, looking like this, connecting with people like this, not having the mental faculties to do anything like this. Why are you Why are you doing this? And then saying that other people are the problem. Get off the sauce. And yeah. Substance. Yeah. If you got to use drugs and alcohol to manipulate the people in your life, and I know at least 10 people that were directly manipulated with drugs and alcohol by the Freemans. If you got to use drugs and alcohol to manipulate the people in your life, you need to really take a look at like who you are. Cause I, I mean, I won't out this person that I'm thinking of directly because you both know of her and the whole community knows of her, but like they manipulated the shit out of this woman and it's funny because, like, I can say it this vague and anybody listening that watched the show that maybe was even involved in the community is probably going to think of, like, five different women that it could be. It's that bad. Like, but that wasn't talked about because we don't want to make them look bad, you know, like. Maybe sometimes. I think I was during the- a yeah, well, you don't want to say anything you bad, should on, make them look bad on HBO. Yeah, yeah, well, it's I mean, it's things. it's a, a difficult situation because you don't really know, like, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, it's just difficult. But um, and that's very complicated, especially when there is like complications and shit. I uh, that's why I try to make my, you know, um, that's why we try to do a good job with like communication and and stuff at the Nexus for sure. And uh, oh, and speaking of Anarchopoco, if you guys do need tickets, we'll have links down below. That also supports us, um, and we really appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, if, if you expect to, if you want to um, hang out with hang out with me, I, I expect to be at Anarchopoco um, this year if my wife lets me go. Uh, she does have the the final word, and I'm just glad that it's not directly on Valentine's this year, like it was uh last year because it was like 
well, I think I should spend time with my my wife. So, um, but yeah, I do plan on going this year because not on Valentine's Day. But um, uh, yeah. So thanks for that, Cat and and Lily. I don't know if you guys have the dates, but I was. Yeah, I was part of that decision because it was like, yeah, tired of it being on Valentine's Day for one. And we also had to do it in mind with like, because we added that second week for Agora Forco, which I talked a little bit about in my blog post most recently on the Nexus um, and technically on my personal website, too. But it's different posts on each website. But we're bringing back Anarcha Forco, which we always intended to be a part of Anarcha Forco, despite, you know, what Lisa Freeman has to fucking say about it in the series. It was not meant to be a fuck you. Um, but we're having Agora Forco as the second week of Anarcha Forco. So the first week is like the launch parties on the 5th and then like the 6th to the 10th is Anarcha Forco, the main event. And then from the 11th to the 18th is Agora Forco. And anybody who's got a ticket, either the Forco, the general admission, or VIP, any of those three people have access to add things to the Agora Forco calendar, including on Valentine's Day. But I could totally see some like agorist couples getting together and putting that on the calendar and having some sort of like small agorist Valentine's Day thing specifically, you know? In fact, I yeah. kind of expect it. Like, here's your, here's your community. free idea. But like, like, play on yeah, the like at get the together, conference. play on the word get together. Call it a date together. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would be willing to bet because like Anarchapulco <laughs> itself, we're gonna try to have one Forco event hosted by us each day. So like, I haven't figured out like I'm too busy building the system for adding the events because the idea is that like it's not going to be gate kept by me. It's going to be who has a ticket can add the event, but I'm still figuring out how to make that work tech wise. But once that's done, then I'm going to start planning, you know, like Anarchapulco's version of those events and we'll have something to do with us each day, but there's probably going to be 10 or more things to do each day if it's anything like Anarcha Forco was in 2018. And it was cool because it was like people would come up to me in the morning and they're like, what's on the schedule? And I was like, oh, I don't know. You should probably check the website, which is where the schedule is. Like, I, I don't make the schedule, you know? And it's like, it's like somebody, somebody asking you what the like, date is basic... when there's a calendar on the wall. Exactly. And it's like, well, what event do you think you're at? Because Anarchapoca is the one that has the set schedule. And this is the one where you're supposed to check the website if you want to know who's talking or who's doing a workshop or a party or whatever it may be. Um, so I'm excited. I had somebody reach out to me and they called it. So they're like, so basically it's agorism, but on steroids. And it's like, well, yeah, that's that's the idea. Let the market of people who are coming to the event that's decide what, what the is. hell happens at said event exactly so i mean i'm i'm real excited for it. i'm more excited for the fork than i am for the main event because the main event's just gonna be me running around like a chicken with my head cut off making sure attendees and sponsors are happy that's my official job this year but um also because agora folk yeah. is gonna be like just an agora like if you've got something exactly. you want to market if you like for instance you want to teach some survival classes you can do that you want to teach uh pe people how to homestead properly you can do that. You want to teach people how to dodge taxes? Don't do that. We would never do that. You know, there's a lot of 
things that you could potentially do, and it's up to you as if you buy a ticket, etc. Exactly. And I've had people ask me, well, where is Agora Forco? And it's like, where do you want Agora Forco to be? Like, what do you want to do while you're in Mexico? Do you want to go to the beach? Do you want to go and take a trip to the island or the central market? Like, do you want to go to a specific restaurant? You know, like where it's not that kind of thing, you know, it's, it's where do you, it could be at people's Airbnb. They could host a workshop in their apartment that they're renting and that's going to be fine. You know, it's like, it's, truly decentralized in that way like where is it going to be what to expect well like both of those things are still very much up in the air until it happens right (laughs) so i think it's going to be something real special though without any of the drama from the previous years that we tried to institute the same ideas and just all creation and you know cooperation and growth and it's going to be real cool focused and driven and ideally clean and sober yeah i mean probably for the most part i know this is gonna um be my first anarchapulco where i'm not stoned off my ass because i actually quit weed about five months ago good for you So, yeah, that was that was a part of my getting my freedom back really was like I realized at a certain point that I and I, I've been coming to it over the past couple of years that I, I'm real emotionally or I was really emotionally dependent on weed. And I wouldn't go anywhere without smoking. I wouldn't eat food without smoking. And then something it was actually a study about the pancreas and how THC negatively impacts, you know, the pancreas and production of enzymes and anybody that has followed me knows I did the carnivore diet because of huge health issues and it was like oh okay well I, I've narrowed that down too because I take digestive supplements now um, with enzymes I don't my pancreas doesn't make a lot of enzymes anymore and it's like okay well I saw this study that was pretty damning to weed and chronic use and the pancreas so uh, I like chronic use that yeah, that exactly. That day I quit cold turkey and that was that was in June and it's huh. like within like 2 weeks. It took me about 2 weeks to be able to eat normally, like to to have an appetite. But as soon as that 2 weeks was over, I stopped missing cannabis. And I think part of it's circus stuff cuz I keep my anxiety low by physically exhausting myself as as much as I really can. Um But I think it's also I just kind of grew up and realized like I was kind of enslaving myself with weed. Like when I travel places, I need to make sure I had enough with me and travel with all my gear, which smoking dabs is like a torch and a bong. And, you know, like it was it was cumbersome and it was it was frustrating, like having having to rely on weed to eat. Otherwise, I couldn't enjoy my food. It was really frustrating. And I was telling myself I was depending on it to sleep but like I sleep better without it now so it's like okay I enslaved myself with a substance while calling myself free and a little bit yeah. well and you know a little, the, a little bit funny the fun part of that is I don't think it should be illegal I don't think the government should exist but when I say that I don't think people should 
like consume a substance, whatever that substance may be. I get called a Puritan, a fascist, you know, all this other bullshit garbage because people aren't prepared to accept the fact that maybe step one of the revolution is in your own fucking brain and you should have more control of it. Weed is addictive. I know because I am addicted to weed. I think it's less addictive than uh, some other substances. I think it has lots and lots of benefits and um is safer than Tylenol and safer than like peanuts for for mostly every uh, for you know all those peanut allergy people but um well and it kills less people than peanuts for sure but uh but yeah and I, I think I think it can like unlock your brain um in some aspects and like help you with creativity but I do I do see some uh negative effects definitely like uh the addiction and, and um and I, and yeah, I, I mean, I've seen some negative effects, but I haven't been able to put my finger on it. And I think Lily might be correct with the, uh, with, with the pancreas, pancreas thing too. I'm not sure. I've, I've been a, a really like, um, there were years where it was like, I was just smoking the whole entire time. And like, I, I didn't, you know, I couldn't do anything unless I was high. I had to be, you know, um, just to like function and stuff. I've, I've, I've definitely been there, but, uh, but I always try to make sure that I have like really long breaks, um, with stuff with, with weed. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't even touch, I don't even touch weed in, in Mexico really just because it's a nice break and just less complications with, you know, law and anything else, uh, when you try to get something illegal. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, weed was. I don't know where I was going with that. I I was ranting a lot. So. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Though weed was a big part of my awakening in some regards, but the thing that I've learned as I've gotten older is like, and this is something my dad said to me my whole life that I never like fully integrated until last couple months is like, too much of anything, and this could be you know even water. You you drink too much water, you're gonna fucking die. Like people do die of drinking too much water. It happens, you know. Like too much of anything is not good for yeah. anybody. And I think I think there's a real fine line when it comes to that. And I think that line really varies depending on the person. Like there's people out there that drink too much caffeine and they're hyper aggressive. You know, like cough cough Jason Henza, but he's getting over it. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a line and I think it takes, you know, some self-recognition to be like, okay, I should not need any one substance, be it sugar, be it caffeine, be it weed, whatever it is to experience life with happiness. I think that there's a lot of things that we can do to experience life with happiness that don't involve like actively altering our mind state. And I think a lot of people, myself included, for many years of my adulthood, really forget that. And it's it's easy to kind of just like use it as a crutch. And it did kind of keep me sane during certain points in my life. But at this point, it's not necessary for me. It's not. It's it's just not what I need, you know, and like I kind of in some ways have come full circle with it. Like, but like, I think weed in small like small amounts and in the right setting absolutely can be medicine like if I end up with cancer you know you best believe I'm going to be taking some Rick Simpson oil because it's proven to get rid of tumors but I don't think that I need to you know 
consume, especially in the way that I was, like waking up, immediately dabbing, dabbing my ass off all day, smoking like five dabs before I go to bed at night. That wasn't healthy. It really wasn't. Yeah, well, and life has just become a lot more simple since I stopped. Yeah, well, and and like it's it's knowing yourself, but sometimes it takes that contrast of quitting to like understand the situation as it is. Like it, it like I could have been like this the whole time. I could have performed fine the whole time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I started at a bad point in my life, and that bad point is gone, etc. Like for instance. I've been basically clean and sober for like four years now. And um, the like the reason I would drink before was because I lived in a place that I would call dirt jail. It was the middle of the hot ass desert, you know, where there's desolation, rocks, dissolved rocks, things that stab you or venomously like inject you or poison you or whatever. Just an environment that is fundamentally anathema to human existence. Nobody should live there. Um, you know, but people still chose to, and, um, <laughs> I was one of the people who was raised in that environment, dirt road, desert kind of bullshit. And it's like, um, it sucked. And so I wasn't an alcoholic. I never became addicted to this stuff. So it wasn't like there was some massive transformative journey for me, like getting away from booze, but it was sort of like when I came up here to Spokane and I didn't have to deal with that anymore, I was like, I'm not going to like not only the the lack of life and all the, the heat and shit and I didn't have to deal with um like the the rural thing where it, like there was nothing to do and nobody to do it with um so I might as well drink um I was sort of like you know uh I'm not going to buy any booze and I haven't bought any booze in like four little over 4 years now and um it wasn't fucking hard it was just like it was a decision I made because of that. And there's the Rat Park experiment um, is all people need, basically. And it really goes to show like how the, the state is not an appropriate response to addiction or any of this other stuff, drugs in general, because what Rat Park proved, for those of you who aren't aware of it, it proved that rats that didn't fuck, that didn't have like good amenities, that didn't have like a good social structure, um, those rats uh went to the cocaine bottle and rats that did yeah, all I've of seen those that. things yeah and rats that did all those things uh they didn't need the drugs for some fucking reason because their life wasn't shit so i would say that drugs a lot of the time are ways for people to get away from their lives not like you know not like saying that about like every single situation but like it was certainly true in mine. And when I didn't live in this desolate shithole anymore, I, for some reason, didn't feel the need to get drunk. Um, and I haven't been. And when I need to, that, that sort of euphoric feeling, I can just go on a you know 10 plus mile run through the fucking wilderness here or do some parkour in the city or something else to get that rush. I sound like a nineties drug PSA, but it's true. You know, you don't no, need no, drugs to feel right. cool, man. No, you're absolutely right. Cause the, the time where like, I think I really did in some ways need weed was when my life was a shithole. Like I was in a toxic relationship. I wasn't like 
he you know like he was basically the government i would work i'd work my ass off and i got to keep like 10 percent of my money and the rest of it went to him you know and his his yikes wills and bullshit yeah it was a it was a shit show and as soon as i fully got out of that situation it was just kind of like oh well i actually don't need this anymore this you know life is pretty good without it um huh okay turns out you know if you just improve your life you don't need things to make everything better because things are just better right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like yeah you mentioned running like there's something about climbing you know silks and doing tricks you do end up with a sort of like euphoria at the end of it like that's that's more or less how i get high at this point i do cool shit with my body that you know not only gets me that like endorphin high but i also end up stronger physically and more mentally there's something to be said about flexibility in the body and flexibility in the mind there's there's a huge overlap there that i think is often overlooked um but yeah just a warning my phone battery will die sometime soon so like just a warning on that because i just got a notification i got five percent left and i'm still in this tree far from power source Fair warning. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So <laughs> the the first thing I'll say, like, it's sort it's sort of like you know a real life Sonic quote. Like, y- you want to get high, you should just go do something high, uh, or something like that. You know, like you've got options, is what I would say, and you don't need to end up like Nathan, and you don't need to end up the reason that a documentary even has that information to begin with, is what I would say. Like, that's a good way to put a put a sock on it. You know. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, um, and, and I think more freedom comes when you can find ways to, you know, get get the same amount of happiness without being tied to substance, without being tied. Because, like, one thing that was not questioned enough in the series is, like, why did Nathan and Lisa supposedly know the people that went and did the murder? Because that was something that she mentioned. And she said, well, if you host Anarchapulco, the people need drugs. Well, like, Anarchapulco now does not have any cartel connections in which to supply our attendees with drugs. Why did you really have that connection, Nathan and Lisa? Oh, that's right. You were their best customers. That's why they called you before they were going to go and kill people. And another thing is at a point, like she mentions that before they went to kill Paul, the first time they were going to kill him, they called him and was like, we're going to do this thing. And Nathan and Lisa were like, whoa, wait, please don't. And they were like, okay. You think that maybe they they got to call about John and I and we're like, hey, this crazy guy saying that they did it. My phone's going to power off in 30 seconds. But, but um, I just got a warning. But basically, like, you think maybe the Freemans got that, that same call about us, but instead of protecting us, like they protected crazy ass Paul, they were just like, nah, yeah, they'll definitely do it. Fucking go after them. Yeah. That's something not answered. Yeah. But yeah, we should wrap this up sadly because I'm about to flip out. <laughs> All right. Well, then I will say uh, this is the quote. Um, go to, um, go to, uh, like Anarchapolco's website. There'll be links in the description. Uh, there are various ways to get in touch. Subscribe to our emails. Get on pre-search, 
And uh, I've got a quote for us. Uh, so if you've uh, if if you don't have anything to say, uh, Brandon, feel free. Um, but if you do, then uh, let us know. Yeah, uh, definitely do. Um, you'll get a discount if you use our link to Anarchopoco, and that really helps support us. I, th I think it's 5%, so, uh, okay. yeah. All right, well, then the quote for today is, political tags such as royalist, communist, democrat, populist, fascist, liberal, conservative, and so forth are never basic criteria. The human race divides politically into those who want people to be controlled and those who have no such desire. Robert Heinlein. Uh, next is out. The revolution started Peace. inside An instrument a part of a gore worldwide A gore worldwide A gore worldwide Counter economics Agorist strip Black market click Move a quick flip Can't regulate this Agorist strip Black market click Move a quick flip Can't regulate this Agorist 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 Agorist